funny story. I, I talked to my son, and he was using a lot of data on his mobile subscription. I wondered, what is he doing? And then I realized after a while that he was actually uh, listening to music through YouTube. I didn't even know you could do that, but he's doing that. And, and basically, he you know, he listened to music, he put his, uh, the, the song on YouTube, which is basically a video then, and then put the, the, the phone in his pocket and just listened to the music. So he streams const- continuously every day for, you know, hours because he listens to music. Welcome to another episode of Transmissions from Tomorrow, the show that gives you an inside route to the people driving the digital transformation of business and technology in the world of telecommunications. And I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. Today I have the pleasure of having in the studio with me uh, Patrick Kowal. Patrick, how are you and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Patrick, you're the head of strategic marketing for the uh, business area network section of Ericsson. Um, that must be an exciting role for you to hold these days. Yes, it is. It's a lot of, of things that we work on, a lot of things that we look forward to, and, and things are happening in this mobile industry, which I'm a part of uh, all the time. So we try to do our best to see what happens in the future. So you're head of the team that works within the strategic marketing uh, section of the business area networks. You've got an amazing uh, uh, list of things that you do. I'm just going to rattle a couple off here. You're the executive editor for the international award-winning Ericsson Mobility Report Mobility Report that just got published, which uh, I think I've rabbit-eared crazily. I've made notes for it all, which we'll come back to. Uh, you joined Ericsson in 1995, I think it was, and you've had a whole range of exciting roles, which we'll talk about. Uh, although I think it was from 2006 you uh, uh, started working within the strategic marketing area focused on uh, essentially establishing Ericsson as a thought leader in the mobile industry. Is that correct? Yes, um, that's correct. And, and that's what I've tried to do since then. That's an exciting challenge. Uh, you also uh, represent Ericsson as the vice president of an uh, industry forum called the Global Mobile Suppliers Association. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the, the Global uh, Supply Mobile Association is a, um, it's a supplier association, uh, uh, as you can imagine, between um, Ericsson, Qualcomm, Intel, Samsung, Huawei, and, and Nokia. And we are basically there sitting together trying to talk about the things that actually are common, that, that we try to drive as, as an industry. It could be things related to spectrum issues. It could be things related to new technology coming up. Uh, you know, we're in transition to 5G. There's a lot of things that is common that we, um, as, a, as a team of vendors, need to work on together. Standardization is extremely important for this business, and that's what we try to support a, a, as an industry. Absolutely. And I think as late as probably, what is it, 1998 and they're on uh, um, the, well, actually was it in 1989, I think it was, the establishment of sort of what became the GSM network carriers and particularly telco uh, infrastructure and, and hardware and software and service providers probably worked out that things were going to be better if they all worked together. Even though you compete in certain market segments, you're all working on the same basic challenge, right? Yes, exactly. Now, That's uh, what we try to do. You, uh, you hold a Master of Science from the Royal Institute of uh, Technology in Stockholm, and uh, I was amazed when I read that you've got 10 patents that have been awarded to you in the field of mobile co- uh, comms and systems. Um, tell us a little bit about those. 
Yeah, those were the early days of my, my engineering career. Uh, when I started at Ericsson, I was part of a, a system engineering team, and we tried to develop features and functions for the uh, newly released then, by then, then the GSM system. And I got the opportunity to work on a number of very interesting um, software projects where we tried to develop new functions that never been there before. And, and, and at that time, we then tried to also to, to put down our ideas. That could be even high and low, crazy in some time, but sometimes really uh, on the spot of what we need to do. And some of those actually went all the way to be become applications for patents and also approved. Right. It's interesting that you know, in, in a lot of this industry, particularly around technology, uh, not so much in, in the services space or banking and finance, but certainly telco, I find that folk who come from a very technical pedigree and then move into the business areas uh, can really hold their own uh, when they sort of you know, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with uh, technical and design and engineering people if they've come from that background. Have you found that to be the case that now that you're in, in, in a business-focused uh, role, uh, heading up the strategic marketing uh, part of the uh, business area network section of Ericsson, that it, it's uh, held you in good stead that you've got a technical background, an engineering background, as opposed to maybe a, an MBA-type background? Um, well, I think for me it has helped a lot, um, especially in a company that is so technology-focused like Ericsson. We um, tend to to start with products, and, and I, I think, I mean, going now into into marketing role that I have, working on, on uh, putting the brand out, driving brand marketing, then understanding that products often form the brand is very important. So you have to start with the product. What is it that the company actually do? And understanding that is key to understand then how to form your marketing around that. So I think it has helped me a lot to have that background. It was interesting. I, I had the pleasure, as you know, uh, when we met uh, a couple of days ago to have an inside uh, behind the scenes tour of uh, the uh, Ericsson studio uh, with yourself and the team from the uh, uh, various parts of Ericsson, particularly the digital business part of it. And what really struck me was in many ways, um, a lot of what you're doing is kind of uh, acting like a startup within a legacy business. There's a lot of really uh, big um, shifts with you know digital disruption and a transformation inside the business and so i imagine some of the technical background some of the engineering background gives you a, a good a strong foundation to build on that um now the other thing i was interested uh, in learning uh you're you're as far as uh, outside work uh, uh you've got a whole range of interesting hobbies i'd love to hear a little bit about you you mentioned you're a strong a big golfer uh that you love jazz music and that occasionally you kick back and uh, read a book and you're into crime and mystery give us a bit of insight into um, patrick the man Oh, uh, well, well, I would say like this. I mean, um, I'm not a strong golfer. I'm a very uh, committed golfer. And I think <laughs> golf is one of those sports you actually need to be very committed, uh, regardless how it works. So I'm not spe uh, specifically good, but I really love the game. And I think it's because you get this kickback when, when whenever you actually find a fiery shot or, or, or get something to work, then you're star for that moment. Uh, and then the rest of the round can go really bad, but it doesn't matter. You've done one shot that would have fit to the PGA Tour. So that's kind of the, the kind of golfer I am. So not a good golfer, but a very committed one. And I think that in some way goes across other things that I do. I try to do it more based on commitment and, and because I really get into, I mean, I'm becoming a nerd in different areas, even when it comes to to listen to music, it, you know, you find one artist and then you really listen to everything about that artist. Uh, and then you go on and do the same thing for books. You read everything for one author and so on. So that's a little bit the one, the, the, the person I am. 
It's a. Uh, I always, I always laugh when uh, folk tell me they're a golfer, but that they admit that they um, are kind of, you know, a hack in, in the most positive way. I'm, I'm very much the same. I, I would love to uh, be playing off a single-digit handicap, but uh, uh, that's a long, long pipe dream. But it's interesting that uh, you know, listening to what you're saying there about golf, it seems that uh, it's, in many ways it's one of those things where, like many lessons in life, isn't it? That as you said, you can have one really great hole, and then the rest can mm-hmm. fall apart. But you've got to walk away with it, focusing on the one that really went well, and not let the other ones drag you down. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm really keen to get some insight into kind of um, uh, the actual role you do. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of people believe they understand marketing and they understand the strategic component of marketing. Could you maybe just give us a bit of insight and kind of, you know, what, what does it actually mean to be the head of strategic marketing um, and specifically inside that, uh, that world of business area networks that you're in? Uh, can you tell us a little yeah. bit more about what, what that actual role entails and, you know, what does a day in the life of Patrick inside that role look like? Yeah, maybe I should start then also to say, I mean, the, the reason that, that this fits me so well is because, I mean, given my, my technical and engineer background, I always loved uh, the fact that I could explain complicated things for, for an audience about what actually happened, whether it be a customer meeting or an internal discussion or even a talk. If you had the chance to actually explain complicated technology in an easy way so people get it, uh, for me, that's one of the biggest uh, rewards I can get. And that actually led me to do marketing in, in a technology company because I, I really love the fact that we can do simplification and easy messages that still entails the whole complexity of the industry. So I think that's uh, what drives me a lot uh, in my role as strategic marketing. And that's what I try to also do in, in my team and, and, and push that through, and even in the report. Yeah. In fact, um when I when I look at some of the uh, latest achievements you've done, uh, the one that really jumps out at me uh, that you've recently uh, uh, released uh, was the Ericsson Mobility Report for 2017. Um, tell yeah. us a little about, about what's involved in, in putting that together and, and maybe a little bit of the history of how it came about being. Yeah, I mean, when we started this, this was back in 2011, we had a situation in, in, in the company where we had a lot of data, a lot of insights, a lot of business intelligence material about what actually happens in, in, the, in our networks and, 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 and in the mobile space and so on. But um, we didn't utilize that. So uh, we didn't have any way to put it together. We didn't have any way to talk about it. So no one really knew about it. Not even our own salespeople knew that we had this information, which meant that basically we had enormous fragmented messages and so on. So I got the task to actually put together that data uh, into a report that actually could drive both understanding what we as Ericsson know and, and the facts we have, but also then um, help to have one message from a company point of view. So that we started, and the journey since then has been amazing. I mean, we, we released this um, report the first time in, in November 2011 under a different name. Uh, it was a different setting, and, and we learned from our mistakes and, and changed it. And, you know, the first report we came up with, the name was Traffic and Market Data Report. And the funny thing is that no one could remember that name, uh, not even our CEO trying to talk about it. So we had to change it. Right. Well, it, it certainly rolls off the tongue uh, uh, more smoothly uh, when you call it the uh, Ericsson Mobility Report. It, it's, I, you know, I've, as I said earlier, I've read the thing like about 10 times end to end in detail, but probably read each section dozens of times. Um, what, I, what really surprised me was the, and I've gone and gotten copies of it over the previous years just to get some context of you know, how it's grown. Uh, what really surprised me about this year in particular, after reading the last two or three years, was, uh, well, two things, actually. 
firstly, the the shift in focus to predominantly mobile and mobile subscribers that 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 was a really big shift, and I think that's been a, a global trend that we're all tracking. And also um, the the whole introduction of the IoT and Internet of Things and and digitization. Uh, you know, there's been that sort of signal for a number of years, but it really jumped out this year. Um, were there particular areas that, that this year that you found uh, jumped out or, or were introduced that hadn't necessarily been big focus uh, areas for previous years? I think we, we tried to track these things for, for a number of years, but, but it, it, the development goes so fast now. So there is a forecasting for global IT coming in the next couple of years, uh, but still it's happening now. It's starting to do to come out in different ways. We have new technology on the market. Uh, yes, we have uh, 4G, uh, which, which allows many of these IoT connections to be set up. Uh, but also the traffic increase, the shared traffic increase in the network is amazing. Um, and I think that's one of the key things that always amazes me, even though I look at these numbers you know, uh, every month and, and look at the data that comes from the network, the enormous hunger for, for uh, mobile data that we as a, as a, a Population of the Earth basically have as a human race. It's amazing. We we can never get enough of data. I think. Well, it is, and and you know, I, I mean, we could probably do a whole show on that topic alone. But uh, you know, I think when we look at regions, I, I, I track three really big regions globally uh, in one particular sector. What I do, sort of wearing a market analyst hat or a data scientist hat, and particularly uh, Africa, India, and China. And mm-hmm. one of the things I'm seeing with with what you're talking about there with the hunger for for mobile data has been stemmed from the fact that for, let's say, two and a half decades, um, you know, the rest of the, the, the West, let's say, has had, you know, dial-up modem internet and then, you know, uh, let's say ADSL and I, um, uh, ISDN-type technologies and business. But, you know, some of those areas of going from zero to hero overnight where they've had nothing and then all of a sudden there's been cellular coverage in various forms by companies like yourselves at Ericsson roll it out um, and all of a sudden they've jumped straight to a smartphone or a handset and it's like they've, they've woken up. And so we're almost like waking up a giant. Because uh, when you think of those populations, I mean, you know, 1.1 billion people in Africa and 1.3 billion people in India and 1.5 billion in China alone, e- even if 10%, I mean, that's 3.8 billion, even if 10% of those people, which is nearly 4 billion people, uh, were to be enabled, as, as I think you talked about 5.5 billion new subscriptions in the report. I mean, that's, that's three or four orders of magnitude more than we're doing currently in, in just raw connectivity, let alone bandwidth. I mean, um, how, yeah. how, do you, how do you even grasp that sort of statistic? How do you, how do you sort of you know, wake up one day and go, wow, we're going to grow to 5 billion subscribers in the next couple of years? What does that even feel like? Yeah, and it becomes even more amazing when you start thinking about what that actually means per day. You know, we, we will see every day from now on up to... to uh, 2022, 2023, 1 million new mobile broadband subscribers every day, every day. Wow. Well, so today, yesterday, tomorrow, there will be 1 million new uh, people on Earth having mobile broadband. And mobile broadband is basically then the, the smartphone uh, having access to, to uh, Internet and so on. So we are connecting the world literally um, every day. Well, in, in fact, you know, here's the scary statistic. I mean, there's 23 million people in Australia in total. Uh, and, um, you know, there's cities like uh, Shanghai that have 33.6 million in them, and I know there's cities in Europe that have got more than 23 million people. On a good day, uh, Tuesday to Wednesday, during lunch, Manhattan Island uh, in New York can have 25 million people walking down the street looking for a sandwich for lunch. So what we're really talking about is the whole population of Australia on a monthly basis being added to the network. I mean, it's just phenomenal. 
In your traffic section, um, mobile traffic by application category, uh, what was interesting was, you know, we've got some obvious ones like file sharing and web browsing and software download and audio that we're familiar with. Uh, social networking that I guess we sort of expected was going to be big. But um, I don't know that a lot of us really expected video to be quite so mag- magnificently huge. I mean, it's like 48% of the, the traffic uh, predicted between 2017 and 2023 in your report. Um, and we're getting to the point where 50% of the world's traffic is going to be video. This whole thing that we talk about, the pivot to video, quote unquote, I mean, that's already happened, hasn't it? Yeah, it does. And 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 to be to be clear, I mean, when we talk about video, it's basically all kinds of video, even videos um, that is within the social media. All that video we count as video, but still we see an, an increase of 50% uh, roughly every year up to 2023. So by by that time in in 2023, we'll have uh, 75% of all the traffic in all networks um, going to be video. But I think it also changes. If you if you look back a few years, we had um, the, the likes of, of Netflix and and uh, other streaming services coming on board, and you know people were were uptaking um, more and more. Basically, viewing time increased, and people were were um, getting more and more content on different parts. You know, um, but. I think what will happen in the end of this, which actually grow the traffic even more on video, is new types of video. You know, we are broadcasting live much more. We do Periscope or Facebook Live, or or we do, um, and then at the end of this period, we're probably going to do virtual reality and, and augmented reality and all these extra things that actually come on top of that. Or 360 degrees videos. You know, you go into to a video stream and you can actually turn around the camera yourself. So that type of video applications will will definitely be there, and I think that will drive traffic even further. Well, absolutely, and and if you look at some of the data you've got uh, um, that you publish online around some of the migrational uh, activity, you know, through Middle East and, and and certainly Asia and China, you know, you've got seasonal migration for holidays, and and some of the data coming out of say even India and, and China, where um, you know hundreds of millions of people over a weekend go back to wherever they might have uh, come from as far as you know either a village or a small town or a regional area visit their relatives and then go back to the cities and mm. you know we, when you talk about hundreds of millions of people moving uh, over a 24 to 48 hour period and the data having to shift with it um, I can't even imagine what happens to the networks with that but uh, you're right about the embedded you need to you need to have good coverage well you need for sure. <laughs> you need to have an enormous coverage and a lot more Eric's and hardware and software yeah. um, there was an interesting thing that uh, um, uh, came up yesterday in one of the conversations with Matt's uh, around um, uh, the shift to cloudification and you know talking about some of that uh, you know big coverage not only does it seem you have to have uh, significantly larger coverage and fatter pipes as it were sort of on the internet per se but also the the um, shift in the types of traffic. I mean, uh, it's one thing you talk about change in video and social media, but also when you digitize something, let's say we take a bridge and we put 10,000 sensors on it to see if it's going to fall down or if it's, it's healthy, um, particularly with the, the rollout of IoT. Uh, we've also now got a shift where, you know, I know uh, when we were there the other day with the, the uh, behind-the-scenes tour of, of the uh, digital business group and, and particularly the studio, we saw a whole new bunch of thinking around the instantiation of services, the cloudification of things. Um, there must be a massive shift to transform everything from physical servers and virtual machines to cloudification and turning things into microservices. W- what does that look like in your world when you're you're having to, I guess, well, have one foot in the old school where people have still got some legacy infrastructure uh, and they're making the rapid transformation into not just inside Ericsson, but also the business partners and, and customers you're working with that are buying your stuff when they want it as a service. They want 
uh, you know, if there's another 10 million subscribers wanted to watch a Netflix movie, movie, they need to move that traffic and move that service almost instantly. Because mm. I remember uh, a couple of years ago yeah. when, when Netflix became legally available in Australia, uh, we had a mm. 45 or 46% increase on international internet bandwidth overnight. It literally doubled the Australian internet bandwidth usage with one application on smartphones. Um, what does that look like in the, tr- in the transition from old thinking and design patterns to new design patterns in your world? And, and how do you communicate that from you know, both a marketing point of view and a, and a sort of thought leadership point of view? Yeah, I think you're completely right. There is a lot of transition happening uh, and, and the cloud services will um, be more and more present in, in all kinds of different uh, varieties of, of, of world where we, services um, that we use. So, of course, that will impact a lot. And I think our, our job here is try to explain how this will change, how the evolution of different use cases may impact networks and, and how um, operators and networks need to prepare in order to, to be able to, to cope with that. But it's also explaining a little bit about the world that will be um, in some way. So explaining that these services will be there and then people will um, take them for granted in a way that aren't doing it today. Um, and, and on top of that, there will be a number of disruptions. Um, talk about people uh, traveling across China for seasonal holidays. I mean, there's always things that happen. So, um, just in India, they got it really fast. And yeah. the last year, basically, they have had a, a new uh, entrant coming, a new operator that have started and offering free services for a number of And that in itself changed the whole scale of the amount of traffic in the global scale. In the world, yeah, they actually managed to to rise the, the the growth curve of traffic in the world by by doing one offer. So things will happen, and disruption will change. Whether it's cloud, whether it's um, new offerings, whether it's uh, uh, new technology, all these things you have to be prepared. But you can't really forecast them. No, I I, I can only imagine. Uh, you know, there must be days where you just sit there, uh, in some cases, pulling your hair out <laughs> because there's so much disruption and change. And in other cases, uh, getting very, very excited. And I guess that's in many ways, you know, certainly for myself, and I'm sure it's you as well, uh, some of the reason that we jump out of bed and do what we do in various roles is that, uh, you know, there's so much positive in the future for us versus what, uh, uh, you know, a lot of naysayers, a lot of haters, as they say, you know, they don't want the change, they don't want the transition, they don't want to really shift. But when we look at the positive impact of, of switching on big chunks of India or big chunks of China or big chunks of, of Africa and, and they get to join the rest of the world, I mean, there's just so much positive to be done uh, by, mm. by delivering that. Um, now, I'm really keen to uh, throw a fun challenge at you. Um, you know, we talked earlier on about uh, the whole mobile and telecoms industry and, and uh, in many ways uh, it can be described as a super tanker and that is that uh, as an industry, it's, it's a very big thing. It's a big beast and it's very hard to turn around. Some of the changes, some of the transitions and shift in, in new thinking, new communications, new technology is all hard to, to bring about. They, uh, they don't happen overnight. Um, if I was to hand you a crystal ball um, and sort of you know, say to you, hey, Patrick, could you just have a bit of a gaze in here? And, um, you know, what do you think is over the horizon in the next three to five years, uh, both for you and Ericsson in general, sort of, you know, big ideas and trends? Mm-hmm. What, what would that sound like? What, what big things do you think are coming at us in various forms? Yeah, that's a, an interesting question. I think that if you set aside our forecast and then uh, don't look so much about that, but seeing as the world will change the next five years, I think one thing that for me sticks out all the time and then we touch upon is basically how mobile technology and smartphones are changing people's lives. Yeah. Um, in the sense that, that, I mean, there are so many people out there that still do not have access to the internet. We can connect these 
to afford the mobility, if we can connect them and actually get them uh, starting to find their own business, uh, come up with new business models in micro uh, businesses and so on, I think there is a lot to, that can be done that actually will the, ease the, the, the life of so many people on this planet. So, I mean, if I would hope for something, that that, that revolution would continue and that people actually get that, that amazing, you know, sorry. Yeah. So that's my wish list, so to speak. No, I think that, that's well. You've got a wall in the digi, in the studio, actually, with the um, uh, is it the UN or the World Health Organization? I think is it seventeen key touch points around uh, fundamental things like health and clean water and, and and so forth, and they all seem to lead to that very uh, thing you're talking about there, with kind of you know what the next three to five years is is aiming to to get to. To me, in many ways, I came away from the week uh, with yourselves and the team with with a clear view that. A lot of the focus, even though there's a lot of business focus and a lot of technology focus for the obvious reason that you want to build the Oryx and brand the business further and move with the trends, what was really reassuring for me personally anyway, and I'm keen to get your insight into this, is that I left with the sense that 99.9% of the focus was actually on improving lifestyle and livelihood. And um, a lot of the technology was being developed to put it in the hands of people and allow them to do things. You weren't necessarily saying, here's a, here's a mobile phone yeah. device, make a phone yeah. call with it. It's, it's more a case of, Here's a device. Tell us what you can do with it, and and let us know how we can improve that customer experience with it. Uh, is that a fair assumption to sort of say that the, a lot of the focus, even though there's a commercial drive for the business and there's obviously a technical sh- uh, uh, imp- imperative to to get better and better technology, is it fair to say that the focus is on just that humanity component around, um, uh, you know, uh, I guess entertainment and livelihood and, and lifestyle in general? Well, I, I would like to say that we always have that focus. Um, but, of course, we have a, a commercial aspect, as you mentioned, as well. But still, um, I, I think when you try to sell a product, uh, that is always more difficult than trying to sell the customer. So yeah. it can change your perspective. And, and helping um, the, uh, instead of, of selling, uh, you would also sell as well. So yeah. I think that's what we try to do also in our in our marketing material. We try to um, answer questions that people have rather than giving messages uh, on things we think they need. Um, so the whole mobility report, you know, um, we've done that now a couple of years, and we don't mention Ericsson anywhere else than on the logo on the front. Um, because this is not about Ericsson. This is about uh, explaining what we know so people can take that knowledge and, and run with it. And hopefully that is good for both us, the industry, and the business. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely been a trend in, in the last decade and certainly the last three years that I've noticed where uh, there's a lot more telling and a lot less selling, uh, not just with Ericsson, but across the, the world and as a whole. Because I think, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, even, even things in the advertising industry where people have done ad blocking uh, for, you know, cutting out ads and in uh, websites and and now there's applications on their phone that can block ads and you know people used to have little devices they'd plug to their tv that would record the the shows they liked but cut out the ads and i think what we ended up with was a tipping point where people were tired of being sold to uh they wanted well they wanted to be treated as intelligent humans and just be told what was possible and let them make the decision and i think that was definitely the the takeaway i had from uh, the week with your team and crew uh in the studio that um you know, outside, as you said, the the drive to grow the business and all the commercials that come with that—that's a given—and and the need to develop and grow technology. 
I was very reassured that my uh, 13-year-old son and 16-year-old daughter's futures are going to be uh, in good hands uh, uh, with Ericsson and the industry group, that um, we're going and we're building good things. That's great. <laughs> well, yeah, and they will definitely use it. That's the thing. They, will, uh, they have grown up and, and, and uh, starting their life on a digital journey already from the start. So, of course, <clears throat> they have huge expectations that we need to deliver. And that's also one thing we talk about in, in, in the report, the millennials, how they grew up and will wanting to have more and more and more uh, and uh, expect a lot from, from the networks. So yeah, let's deliver on that. Give, uh, uh, actually, I'd love you to, to give us a bit more insight into kind of what you learned about that. I mean, that, that's an exciting new uh, section in the report. Um, how did you come to add the millennial component to the report and, and what are some of the key takeaways you gleaned from, from getting that data together? Yeah, I mean, we try to, to have um, diversify our report and do a lot of different things. And this time we, we did a consumer study where we actually asked a lot of consumers. And then we realized that, hey, when we ask the, the people that are older compared to the ones that are more millennials, um, there is a difference in their both how they feel that their, their need for network yeah. met uh, by the network, but also their expectations on the future. So I, I think that was very interesting for us that when we noticed that, we said, hey, this we should write about and, and, and make everyone understand. Because these guys, the millennials, I mean, five, 10, 15 years from now, they are the purchasing power of the world. They would be the one paying the salaries for, for the new networks coming and, and the new industries happening and new businesses starting. So, of course, we need to look at what they need. Uh, absolutely. And I guess, you know, just uh, for folk listening, just to define, I mean, you know, millennials, as you said in the report, I mean, these are folk that are born between uh, the early 1980s, I guess, and then uh, the sort of the early 2000s. Um, and these are folk who are, you know, in many ways, they're cloud natives in some way, they're digital natives. I mean, they've grown up, uh, as you said in the report here, I'm quoting, uh, in the age of the internet and mobile communication. So, um, you know, they've, they've actually not known the world without the internet, and they've not known the world without smartphones. Uh, you know, I, I saw a funny meme video on YouTube recently that my son played to me and he said, you know, mm. have a look at some of these kids and they're listening to uh, dial-up modem tones and they're laughing because they thought it was hilarious that someone had to do that before they got connected to the internet. Um, yeah. You know, I, I remember my <laughs> son My son once said to me that he came from school and the maths teacher uh, put an icon of a, a three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk up there and one of the kids put up his hand and said, you know, why did you 3D print the uh, save icon? Um <laughs> <laughs> so you're right. I mean, yeah, these are these yeah. are these are the next uh, C-suites. These are the next executives. These are the next decision makers. But what's interesting as well is reading the the data you had in the report. I mean, they're already decision makers in the consumer space because um, you know they may not be yeah. run, they may not be running the businesses that are buying the the the, mm -hmm. the towers today. They might not be building the fifty story buildings, but they're already choosing uh, you know that user experience thing you're talking about in the report. I mean, these are a mm -hmm. big big shift in the consumers. This is where a lot of money is going and and. It's not just the West either, is it? I mean, in your report, you talk about um, uh, areas from Argentina and Brazil and Egypt and Finland and uh, all across the, you know, Mexico, UK, I mean, South Korea. Uh, the millennials across the world, not just in the Western civilization, are, are bringing the same type of shift across. Is that, is that a fair assumption yeah. that it's the same basic shift, but it's happening worldwide? Yes, definitely. And, and that's so interesting because they have... Many of these um, have grown up, as you say, with with the digital um, screen on on their on the fingertips. So so they are doing things differently. And then even, I mean, we can start learning to do YouTube. We can start learning to do uh, you know music streaming so on in in our age. But but I, I, a funny story. I, I talked to my son, and he was using a lot of data on his mobile subscription. I wonder what is he doing? And then I realized after a while that he was actually. Uh, listening to music through YouTube. I didn't even know you could do that, but he's doing that. And, and basically, he, you know, he listened to music, he put his 
the, the song on YouTube, which is basically a video then, and then put the, the, the phone in his pocket and just listen to the music. So he streams const- continuously every day for, you know, hours because he listens to music. And, and that, I wouldn't even think about look, uh, listening to music on a, on a video stream application. I would talk about, hey, that's what you do for, for, for viewing video, not, not listening to music. So they are doing things differently. And I think that's something we have to understand. Uh, absolutely. I remember you uh, mentioning that when we were there uh, last week or the day, week four, uh, and it really struck me. I actually wrote it down and, and started uh, putting a short blog together, which maybe we can collaborate on about that topic, because my son's exactly the same. Uh, yeah. you know, he's got his phone in his pocket, he's walking around, he's listening to music. And when you mentioned that, it reminded me that I've seen that, and I've constantly thought to myself, I should just ring Google and tell them to enable a feature that says audio only, so that they, they only push the audio stream <laughs> and they cut out the video. Uh, that would save us a lot of internet pain um but anyway i'm sure they're happy because this video ads are uh, being promoted well look patrick that's been a fantastic half an hour conversation with you thank you so much for making time to catch up with me i some amazing insights and 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 a real pleasure to to talk about not just you and your role but also some of the things you do outside of work around golf and listening to jazz and your crime and mystery books uh, but also learning yeah. a bit about the the role you play um and really appreciate the insights you've given us uh, into the mobility report anyone who hasn't downloaded the, the uh, ericsson mobility report should go and do that straight away it's on my twitter feed as well it's easy to google um look thank you very much patrick it's been great to have you in the studio yeah, thank you, Des, and thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure, and we'll get you on the show again. And with that, folks, we're going to wrap up. It's been a fantastic half an hour fireside chat with Patrick Kerwell, the Head of Strategic Marketing for the Business Area Network section of Ericsson. Uh, he's over in, uh, in Kista, about 20 minutes out of Stockholm in Sweden. I'm here in Sydney. I think it's the start of your day there and the end of mine here. Um, and, Patrick, with that, we'll wrap it up, and thanks again for your time. Thank you.